Hello everybody, this is uh, your host Enot. Today we have a special guest, a nice Frenchman with an uh, extensive experience in the field of software development. So therefore I will just introduce you my friend Benjamin Dumas, which has been working in IT industry for over 10 years. During his time spent in the IT industry, he has been working in different areas such as nuclear energy, aeronautics and lately insurance. He has been experiencing different type of roles by mixing along the time software development with project management and DevOps practices. Nowadays, he lives here in Stockholm, the capital of Sweden, after moving away from France. You can reach him anytime at Benjamin Dumas on LinkedIn. And also I recommend if you like the interview to check it on YouTube since we also captured this interview in a video format. This has been said, I just want to welcome Benjamin. Benjamin, glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I hope so. So as, uh, as I said pretty much, you have been living in France most of your life and then you decided to to come to Sweden. Um, what made you to, to move abroad and start a new life from scratch, I would say? So yeah, I spent most of my life uh, in France and in the same area in the southeast. I'm from Marseille, so and I just like move around Marseille basically. And uh, since I was just like I finished my studies, I had this idea of moving abroad to just have different experience. Um, but life made that it didn't happen at this time, so it was just an idea that was like running in the background. And uh, yeah, like uh, one and a half year ago, that was the right time to do it. Uh, I didn't have any attachment left in France. Like, of course, my family is still there, but they will still be there when I come back. If I come back. Definitely. And you can visit them anytime. Yeah, I'm trying to visit them uh, as much as I can. But at the moment, it's not really... Not, not the right time, maybe. Right After time. this pandemic, it's ending. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that was just like to live a different experience and see like different culture. And I think it's like uh, a good way to grow as a person mm -hmm. to like experience different cultures and way of working and way of living. So that's how I end up in Sweden, even though I didn't choose Sweden specifically. I just wanted to move from France. So I just tried to find a job in in any country in Europe, basically. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just got an opportunity in Sweden. And, so and things happen. Yeah. You know, it Why says not? that uh, you don't choose Sweden, Sweden, uh, it's uh, it's uh, choosing you. Yeah, Sweden choose you. <laughs> so I w I'm, I'm curious about like, since pretty much you moved here uh, without having uh, any relatives, like without knowing no one here, how would you describe the first months? Because like when you move abroad and you don't know anyone in that country, I think it's pretty hard until you build your network. Yeah, actually, when I moved, I was prepared to spend at least six months quite lonely, like the time to actually like make some contact, either like professional or like on personal level. But uh, I think I got some chance that I end up in a company that uh, was really trying to make people meet each other because they were like hiring a lot of uh, foreigners mm. so they were trying to enhance these like meetings with like everyone so a lot of afterworks and like activities so people can meet and like enjoy so i actually met a lot of people really really fast uh, and also i have uh, one of my friend that came from france like 
um, yeah, a few weeks after I joined Sweden, I, I come to Sweden. So yeah, I had at least someone, but then I actually met like a lot of people quite fast and yeah, we created a, like a small group of friends mm-hmm. that just keep extending it, extending, extending. So I didn't felt, uh, that lonely actually. Um, and then on a professional level, yeah, everything went quite well. So f- yeah, like in the first place, the people I met were my colleagues, but even though we were not working together together because we were consultants or different assignments, but then the first assignment I had in Sweden also, like I made quite a lot of connection and some people now are like, we're friends and we're like yeah. each <laughs> other outside and this kind of thing. So that was not the, like less difficult than expected actually. So pretty much the working environment that was like, has been facilitating a bit to meet new people and then later on you just pretty much expand the group. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Since you mentioned like uh, about the different kind of people from a lot of places, I'm curious like what do you see as the biggest cultural difference that you have noticed when you when you have moved from uh, from France here to to Sweden? If you're talking about like in the workplace I would say that here there is less hierarchy compared to France. So you discuss more easily with like your managers and your colleagues and even the manager of your manager. There, there is not so many like layers. layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in France, it's a bit more hierarchical. So of course you can talk to your the manager of your manager, but not about important things because then you will cross your own manager and you will not appreciate that. Um, so that's one big difference in the way of working. Uh, here also, that's something that strikes me quite fast is that you can make a career in uh, like being a technical person, um, where in France you can, but it seems like bit like at least from my experience, a bit more difficult, and they kind of encourage you to go more into management Mm -hmm. if you want to have a career there is more openings in that area but here you can focus more on technical stuff and people are not like oh but you're you're not a manager but so you can't like grow but yeah you can grow here in sweden then like more on the personal aspect uh i would say like yeah the luck i had is that I met a lot of people from different countries. Yeah. And that, that kind of people, like being foreigners, they're like more open to meet people, to like have fr- new friends or new connections and hang out with different people. Swedes are a bit more difficult to reach uh, in the first place. Like when you then when you finally reach to them and be friends with them, then it, like they're really, really nice. But so a, a bit, yeah, a bit more hard to, to get yeah you have a gap that you need to feel it takes some time mm-hmm. i'm curious like besides the fact that you mentioned that uh one of the benefits is like you have less layers so pretty much you can like uh, have a more open and free discussion with your manager mm-hmm. compared to, to, to france and uh the fact that you seems to see like a bit more easier to have a technical uh, career not being forced to become a manager yeah by not by your choice do you see any drawbacks or like benefits uh here in stockholm compared to to france 
environment, company cultures, way of working, or like skills required in the market? Um, like, yeah, also one big difference that I really appreciate actually is that in Sweden you have a better balance between work and personal life. So strangely, you hear like the standard contract is 40 hours a week, where in France it's supposed to be 35 hours a week, uh, even if it, in reality it's not 35. Uh, but there is like, you, you get some extra days off and mm-hmm. those kind of things. But still, I felt I was working way more back in France and like making extra hours, but I didn't have like much flex time or uh, like paid extra hours and these kind of things. Uh, here in Sweden, everybody like really value that you have your own time. You can like go home not too late. You can maybe like go to the gym or like have some activities after work or meet some friends. Here it seems normal. Nobody will like pressure you to, oh no, you you have not finished that yet. It's like really, really important. Like they are uh, ready to accept that, okay, we have some difficulties, so we will mm-hmm. just plan it, like take more time to do it, but we will, we will not meet the deadline, but then we will like replan everything and make it work in a different way. So that's like, it's more like people centric from this point of aspect. At least. Yes, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, I think I, I think I feel the same, like uh, compared at least to my previous experiences here, I would say it's a, a bit more laid back when it comes to work. And also it's more valuable, the individual and uh, the well-being of the individual itself. Yes, I totally, totally agree with this one. Um, I'm curious, like, um, I want to go a bit more into like, how do you see the other type of uh, differences when it comes to rent, taxes, market demand and uh, these kind of areas. So, yeah, compared to where I'm from, so I'm from the south, so like second largest city in France, or third, depends how you look at it, but like the rent... Which is the city? Uh, Marseille. Marseille. But then I was living in Aix-en-Provence, which is like 30 kilometers north from Marseille, but Aix-en-Provence is like a bit more expensive regarding rent mm-hmm. compared to Marseille, except some neighborhood in Marseille. So it's still cheaper than Paris, that is the capital. And Stockholm is the capital. So definitely the rent is way more expensive here. And the market for renting an apartment is like really, really difficult in Stockholm. Yeah, so, that's, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, here you either you put the money or you will have like really, uh, really bad apartment. Um, so yeah, in that aspect, I would say France is might be better maybe not everywhere in, like in paris you will probably have kind of the same price range even maybe higher than here in stockholm mm-hmm. but then uh the salary is for me at least way better in sweden than in france and this is coming from the tax perspective or it's coming from the actual uh, uh, no, actually like the salary itself is itself. higher and like the brute uh, gross salary, sorry. Um, then regarding taxes, that's what something like a lot of people told me when I moved from France to Sweden. They were like, oh, but Sweden has like such a high uh, tax like percentage. But I made some calculation when I was comparing my 
tax rate in France to the one I would have in Sweden before moving. Mm. So in Sweden, basically, you're, when you're in Stockholm, it's like 30%, but that includes everything. So income and like local taxes and national taxes, everything is included. In France, it was a bit more difficult because you have like your income taxes and you you pay it differently from your um, local taxes. And so you have like different... And when you add up everything, actually France is... The tax level is higher in France than mm-hmm. in Sweden. Like it's everywhere in France or like uh, Paris or Marseille? Um, I don't know how the tax system works in France. That's why, no, why like, I'm asking on, on the income, it's national. Mm-hmm. So everybody follows the same rules. Depends. You have different... Uh, level like different range so like let's say if i remember kind of like from zero to five thousand a year or yeah something like that you don't pay anything Mm. then from five thousand to something you pay like seven percent and then like next layer like like some bracket system yeah it's progressive Mm. Mm. but that's the same rule everywhere that you live in paris in marseille or wherever um then the local taxes um that would depend the city you're living in. It could be like high or lower, depends mm-hmm. like the infrastructure and this kind of thing. So I guess Paris is probably higher than Marseille and Marseille is still like quite expensive. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, I would say like market demand, at least in the uh, IT field, how do you see it? Like, uh, do you see more market demand over here in, in Sweden or do you see like maybe the same or similar to compared to France? I'm not completely sure. I think. Yeah, there is a, still, a, like in France, when I left, they were kind of planning of a shortage of engineer and mm-hmm. like technicians. And IT is like really, really high demand everywhere. Uh, but yeah, the market would be like maybe a bit different where in France, you kind of need to speak French. There is not so many positions when you can just show up mm. just speaking English. So it, it has this kind of barrier. You have to, yeah. you, to speak they, they will They will require from you to speak English, but they will require for you to speak French in the first place. Mm. Here in Sweden, at least, if you speak English, you can find a job. Uh, you can Maybe you might not reach all the positions because some companies still ask for like Swedish speaker. Or like if you want to go in like higher position you you might have to speak swedish but you can really easily find something just speaking english so maybe the market is a bit more broad in sweden in that aspect mm. um, and yeah to be honest i didn't have that many issues to find jobs so i had my first job and then after one year basically i had like another opportunity so i had another company and then I had another one six months after that. So uh, yeah, in one and a half year, I, I changed three times. Do you think like in France would be like maybe a bit different or like difficult compared to, to Sweden at least? I, no, I, I don't think so. consideration no. that you, by definition, you will speak, uh, speak French. No, I think you, you will find easily in France mm. too because I'm still uh, getting requests on LinkedIn, for example, from recruiter mm. back in France. Like, oh, so we so, so you're still active. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm curious, do you see, or like, if you'll have to move again and have no complete experience with uh, with Sidon so far, what advice do you give to your like uh, 
the new ones who want to come to Sweden or like what was the the trickiest stuff that you have encountered when you have moved here? It, it was actually quite simple. Uh, being uh, from European Union, you don't need a work permit, so you don't have a lot of administration to do. Uh, for Sweden, you just have kind of to show up, go to the tax agency with your contract, apply for this personal number, and then like ID card, then you open a bank account, and that's pretty much it. So there was uh, that that was actually quite easy to move. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that in Sweden, and I guess it's the same for all Nordic countries, so either way in Denmark, uh, Finland, Norway and Sweden, they all speak very good English, so you don't really need to speak the language. Yeah, that's that's very true. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's kind of funny because if you want to learn it, then you can find like a way to learn and there is like courses and schools and these kind of things. But then when you try to practice, you, yeah, they usually speak, switch to English because they realize that you don't speak the language. It's more difficult, but maybe that's the most difficult part in a way to learn Mm -hmm. the language because you don't get to practice that much, except if you know locals. Uh, but then, yeah, from EU, I guess it's like re- really, really easy. Just yeah, that's that's completely true. When it comes to the difficulty to learn Swedish, is I would say it's good to have it that definitely and can open new opportunities. Mm. But you can manage to live even without uh, knowing the language. So yeah. that's that's the tricky part. And you have to say also like at least from my experience when I came here, it was like. A bit strange at the beginning until uh, I got the card ideal and the social security number. Because if you don't have that, pretty much you cannot do anything. Not opening a bank account and yeah. nothing. And it was was pretty tricky because I had to wait two months until I got my first ride over here. Yeah, it was yeah kind of the same for me. Um, the like on paper, you just need this social security number, personal number, so that can go quite fast. Uh, for me, it took one month, but because we forgot to like check a box in my contract, so uh, they sent me a letter to for that. And, and in the meantime, I went back to the tax agency and fixed it. So yeah, some uh, some small issues. And then on paper, with that, en- that's enough to open a bank account. But in reality, it's not. So then you need to apply for an ID card. So that will take two or three weeks to get an appointment and then another like two weeks maybe to get one week or two to get the card then when you have that you can just basically go to any bank and open an account mm. yeah that's true so yeah for me to yeah around two months to get everything done uh, so yeah maybe you need to have some savings to live on during Definitely, at least two months yeah. Uh, I, I had that, so that was not really a problem. And then, yeah, you get the money back anyway when they pay you in the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think this is the this at least the nice stuff because when I came here uh, after one year, I was I would say surprised if I have to use uh, like the correct word when I had to complete my tax return. I got some uh, actual money back from the government, mm-hmm. which was like pretty nice experience i would say yeah i was not expecting that yeah for, for me actually it was the same and surprisingly it was really high 
the first year and now this year it's like kind of back to normal uh, and i remember like first year i discussed with a lot of uh, friends and colleagues that actually started in the same company at more or less the same time and yeah the tax return was quite different like for a few of them it was really high and for most of them it was like a tenth of what i got Uh, so that was kind of strange uh, to yeah I didn't still understand how I paid that much extra taxes in a few months because it was a bit like just for the year I moved in so for 2018 and I started working end of uh, so I want to put you some questions also regarding uh, the IT industry and uh, here more specific since you have spent like quite a lot of years in the in the field so far I'm curious how do you see the IT industry and the software development has been changed over the years because at least from my experience lately the market is shifting to different kind of technology and different kind of aspects so I'm curious like how do you see this change compared to your uh, your experience in my experience uh, I would say that the pace of technology is getting just crazier and crazier uh, when I started, it was like already quite fast pace, but compared to today's, you have like framework out every day with new version and you really need to f like get yourself educated and look what's coming up and what's the new trends and how it works and to keep up the pace. Otherwise you would be outdated in like no time. So. You, yeah, you really need to focus on that and follow up and get yourself into all the new framework. Uh, I guess now you kind of have to specialize where before, at least when I started, and it was just 10 years ago, it's not that long ago, but you could be like completely full stack, like really from the UI to the back end and like the, you, you were managing kind of everything. Today, uh, I guess you, you can't really do that. Being full stack today, I'm not sure you can pretend to be. Uh, or at least you will have like some knowledge about everything, but you won't have deep knowledge about anything. Um, so I guess it's better to kind of specialize in different area. And I think the one that are emerging right now, so a lot of cloud, it's not right now, it's been a few years, but uh, cloud technologies are getting more and more common and more popular security definitely that's probably the biggest trend because since you're hosting a lot of things in the cloud everything is more open and so you really have to have a strong strong security in your applications mm -hmm. so that's probably a good specialty it's not my specialty but <laughs> it's probably a good one and now there is also I've seen a lot, uh, yeah, big data, machine machine learning, AI. Uh, then yeah, one may argue that we don't have really AI and that it's just like some algorithm to solve problems and these kind of things and learn by themselves. But yeah, that's probably the next trend that is coming up. Mm. So basically, basically, you see, like you have to be like try to go more specialized and it might be quite difficult to be like a good generalist i would say to know everything yeah i mm -hmm. guess so i think well, specialized I'm, I'm curious about 
about two things actually since you you mentioned is about the trends and uh, curiously how do you see the tech culture in uh, in france compared to sweden is the same it's following the same trends in it um yeah i would say it's it's following the same trends uh but my experience in france kind of strange um i worked on a lot of projects with a lot of legacy code so um when i was working in the energy field uh at some point working a lot of on the simulation code and we had some fortran c and yeah not like modern c or c plus plus kind of old but there was also some python because in simulation and like math and these kind of things python is like really took the place that fortran had before uh then i also work even so when was that like three yeah three four years ago but they were still using for example dot net one dot net two uh which is quite old um so where i was working like in not in paris uh yeah i've seen a lot of old stuff but from what i can see now on social media and so on my previous company at least they are recruiting in new tech so i guess yeah it's it's coming in from my experience when i moved to sweden i think they are more up to speed and more keen on going on to the leading edge or bleeding edge technologies uh now definitely my position right now i'm working uh in company that's doing cloud consulting on azure specifically they just they're not targeting any other cloud provider so yeah they are always really on the edge and so not pushing for preview stuff that are not stable and might be abandoned in the future but at least they have assignment and work on mm-hmm. leading technology since you mentioned about the that the fact that you work in uh, in this company as a consultant i'm curious like there are any differences between the it consultants in sweden and in, in france or is like pretty much following the same the same process of like picking the projects uh, and delivering the end uh, Uh, I would I would say there is quite some differences. Mm-hmm. Um here in Sweden it's more you um the the customer will pay for a resource for a certain amount of time and you will do whatever they want you to do and what you can do during this time. So you're just uh yeah, manpower or woman power in uh in for the, for that customer and you don't have to deliver something in the end you will deliver all all along your assignment until mm-hmm. it's done they can extend it if they need to extend it or when you're done you're done uh, in france it's more the customer will say we need this solution in the end that works what's your proposal for that so you will uh, make um, uh, Yeah, you will actually make an offer, a proposal for this solution, how much it will cost and how you planning to manage it and deliver it in time. But then it's not really the customer business how you're going to handle it so you can put anyone you want if you need to put more people on the project you will put more people if you manage to do it actually in less time but they agree. They don't need to know. But usually 
in France now this uh, way of working uh, bring a different kind of game is that all the consultancy company they are trying to lower the cost as much as possible and then maybe go into negotiation to when something is not really uh, compliant with the mm. initial requirement or when there is room for negotiation they will try to get like extra money on that extra budget but uh, yeah in the end you just have let's say six months to deliver that solution doesn't matter how you handle it but you just have to deliver something in the end here it's just like consultant by consultant okay you will take three consultants for six months and you will make them whatever you want mm -hmm. and in the end we'll see if you want to extend that or not so but it's different do you, do you see like any benefits of like uh going through going actually to the fact that just take the whole project and you deliver it versus the fact that you just uh, hire one consultant to do a specific job in the in the client company from the management point of view uh when i was doing project management back in front like just kind of renting resources to a customer uh you are sure about the profit you will make because mm -hmm. you know that you will sell one consultant for that amount a day and you know that that consultant costs you that amount a day so in the end you you know you will not lose money so it's more like predictable yeah mm. but usually at least in Sweden doesn't seem to be the case but in France that model of course you have like a stable profit but not that high and when you do you deliver a solution in the end then you can leverage different thing in the project maybe start with more senior to like build the foundation of your project or of your solution and then bring in maybe more junior people that will just code over the foundation and by playing like that you can actually increase your profit in the end but then you get more risks Uh, because if something goes wrong and then you need to put more people or you go over the the deadline then maybe you will have to pay some penalties and so mm -hmm. yeah so you, you take more risk but in the end if you manage it correctly you can get more profit mm -hmm. so as i understand basically like if you're willing to take more risk you you can like uh, forecast the higher uh, yeah. profit from the project itself compared yeah. to the model you just hire uh, consultants one by one yeah mm -hmm. that's actually when we were working on proposal for customer uh we ha we were making some assumption like okay if we start with this kind of team what kind of profit we will make Com compared to what we have said okay if we manage to like do it in less time uh, how much profit can we make if we, if we put more junior or if we put just senior at the beginning and then we replace them by junior and like trying to see what would be the best uh, setup for mm. the team to make more profit um, but that's just assumptions and hypothesis then the, usually the reality strikes at some mm. point but from my understanding as as it seems like pretty much then you can leverage more the knowledge of a experienced project manager in this kind of projects mm. where you just pretty much take the whole project yeah. because then you, as you said like you can uh, uh change a bit like uh, who is working on the project the experience level and focusing on having a good and uh, to deliver the result on the on the due date 
that model actually has also one benefit is that you can hire junior and make them learn like alongside with more senior developers and architects and project managers and so on uh, where here in sweden for having some friends that are junior it seems a bit more difficult because customers since they are just sub high, like sub renting consultant they expect people with more experience and they are not really afraid to pay more but they want people with experience so when you're junior it's a bit more it seems to be a bit more difficult to find a job in mm. sweden so maybe it's not the perfect market for this kind of uh, fit at least uh you can find but yeah i guess it's a bit more difficult mm. uh with the model the most common model we have in france it's easier they, they hire junior all the time because they're trying to lower the salaries they are paying on the project the cost on the project and make more profit like mm. this but it's also a good way of training it's not it's profit but it's also training people from when they are out of uh, school and make them like um yeah build them for your company the way you the way of working the way you are working so it's it's more like room for uh, for internal growth i would say mm. Mm. yeah great um since you, since you spoke about like uh, and we shifted a bit to the project management side i'm curious like so you have been working as a developer <coughs> then a project manager and now uh, a devops mm. uh, and i'm curious like how do you see the challenges or like uh, what obstacles have you had in in each one of them um well like as as a developer um yeah it was more or less keeping up the pace with technology and keeping like good code quality and, and all that uh, but back then i was doing a lot of uh, fat clients and like full stack so from really back end to uh, ui but then as i said earlier uh, in france if you want to make a career you kind of have to go into some kind of management uh you can be like more in tech lead and these kind of things but project management was something that at the time uh was really appealing to me because i liked the aspect where you spend a lot of time with your customer trying to understand the requirements discussing ideas and trying to yeah understand the business and then translate it for the team that will develop it So that's why I, I wanted to go that way, uh, and I got the opportunity, so I just uh, took it. Then, yeah, the, the way the model is in France, then it's it's where it becomes more difficult as a project manager is that you need to constantly uh, calculate your uh, profit and loss uh, on like every like especially I was working on. Uh, Yeah, maintenance project. So we didn't develop from scratch application. We had to maintain like code base and bug fixing and add some features, new features and this kind of thing. So we had a budget for bug fixing and then we were making proposal every time for new features. But then you still need to have enough budget to cover the whole team. And that's where you start like calculating all the time making sure that you have enough budget that you your team is not 
understaffed or like too big for for the job and so that's the aspect that i didn't like so much in the end um, so basically you have to have an eye all the time on like how do you balance everything in the project in order yeah. to make profit exactly so you have to take into account uh, all your team salaries and uh, all the fees that the company pays on the salary because the company pays extra it's not yes. only what you get on your account there is there is more than that uh, that and uh, also all the expenses that the team may have uh, most of the time we were at the customer and we were working for a customer that was not in the city it was like outside so you have to take into account all the expenses of your team um, yeah that's uh, I mean it's interesting but uh, in the long run it could be it's not that fun uh, to do all the time uh, so you say like maybe it's a bit stressful I would say since you have to I, it, it could be when the project is a bit uh, um, yeah financially in bad shape mm. <laughs> then you kind of yeah you have to like try to find how you should reorganize the team or maybe let some people from the team go replace them with like more junior persons mm. but do you see the stress higher than uh, as, uh, as a developer because also as a developer i think you have some kind of stress like you want to deliver a good code you want to mm. deliver on time and i think so it's on. kind of the same pressure but different layer because mm. the pressure that the project manager will have usually it will fall back on the developer at some point because the project manager would say oh we're not gonna make profit this month if we don't reach the deadline so he's gonna probably pressure the developer to deliver faster and mm -hmm. or you can also have this the same thing with with quality because it doesn't mean that you're not delivering on time but if every time you deliver something the customer says no it's not working i can't accept that so you have to rework so you will have to spend more days and that will end up that might actually we we had project with penalties when we had too much um delivery that was not compliant with the quality that they uh, were expecting or if we were delivering too late so they could actually ask us money mm. instead of paying us or at least paying us less so yeah that that aspect could be stressful and that usually fall back on the team uh, i know i know that i was trying not to trying to keep the team safe from stress but probably they would they, they were feeling it anyway mm. yeah sometimes you cannot uh, take everything i would say no. but i think it's interesting because like if you are just as a developer you're not aware all the time about this kind of extra stuff that you have to be aware and since you step in the project management position i would say like pretty much it's it's interesting that you have developed some sort of new skills and you have been aware of what actually the it industry means and what's the step that you have to do in order to take deliver a project not just the code part itself yeah 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 that actually broaden your uh, vision of mm -hmm. like a project because there is more than just coding and delivering um, i know that actually i was trying to get my team updated on this kind of aspects too so they actually knew also what was behind the scenes uh, and so they can be more yeah get more implication in the project because they can un understand that 
but sometimes they some people at least uh, think that there it's not their problem so they don't really need yeah to take mm-hmm. care of that they will just do their job and that's the project manager to deal with that i'm curious like if because you said uh, that you didn't like the, all the time the pressure that you had as a project manager if you would have to be a developer would you step into project management if you could like uh, achieve more and grow more in the development have you made have you think about that like if you go back a bit in time mm-hmm. and uh, before doing the actual change to developer mm-hmm. to, to manager well, you, you will just have the pressure from different like when you're a developer it's usually your project manager mm-hmm. that will pressure you to deliver what you need when you're project manager it's usually you will the way it was in France since it's like so layered you will have a project director which is a project manager of project managers uh, so he will come back to you and ask for why it's like a domino yeah exactly mm-hmm. and it was and above that person there was like a domain like director kind of and above that there was like business units directors and so on and so on so it was quite layered even though the company at the time was saying that no 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 you just have one boss it's the business you need manager or the other people is just they're not your boss they're just different position but still they will ask you uh, to be accountable for some stuff that you have mm-hmm. to do and so on so you, you still have this layer so i'm curious about since uh, we discussed why did you change the development uh to a management position and i'm curious like what made you to change from project manager to uh, devops when when you when you arrived in sweden well like everything related to when i moved to sweden everything is completely random <laughs> but that's the beauty of it um so my uh when i moved to sweden i still had uh, this career pass for me that was to continue in project management Uh, and I was hired as a technical project manager. So not really only management, but more with technical part. But in the end, my first assignment for an insurance company was working into their CICD pipelines. Uh, basically, they had a really old tool that they had a like custom tool for deploying applications. But there was no, no support uh, for that anymore. So they moved to TFS from Microsoft. So no cloud, just on-prem. Uh, and I just started working in yeah, setting up uh, build definitions and release definition in TFS, working with that. And then we grew uh, like a small ecosystem around that, like artifact repository and trying to have some gits because they were still using tfvc but then yeah i put my hands back into some technical stuff so helping the like development team to understand why their build was failing in uh, in the central build server uh, how to deploy and all the steps they have to make to deploy completely the application and just not move the files from the build server to the target server but actually install the application make it run so i went back to technical aspects uh, not so much coding but just mm. understanding of how code works uh, quite some scripting um, and actually i just enjoyed it 
So since I was in Microsoft, Microsoft Technologies with TFS, I start looking into the cloud version, so Azure DevOps, just as curiosity. And then from there, like more into the cloud itself, so Azure. Um, and uh, then why Azure and Microsoft? Just because I started with that. Uh, I guess you can enjoy the same with AWS or Google Cloud. but. On the career perspective, um, I was looking a bit at the different cloud provider and AWS is still the major one, but Azure is not so far behind now and the popularity growing, I guess it's a good time to specialize in this one because there is a lot of people doing AWS, but less in Azure. So yeah, I kept learning and since in Sweden you can actually achieve a good career between being technical. I'm like, okay, I kind of enjoy that more than being a project manager at the moment. So let's go for so that. So you just took this, uh, yeah. this new path. It's just opportunities and feeling the wind and going with it. Right. Before going further to more uh, technical uh, details and aspects, I still have some questions and I want to get your, uh, your point of view on the management part of it since like we are still on this topic somehow so i'm i'm curious like if you will have to give some advices for someone who wants to make the same kind of changes going from uh, software developer to project manager or from project manager to uh, devops what tips or like what advices do you would you give or like where they have to to pay attention going to project management it could be really interesting, but you have to understand also that when you get into management position, it's also a bit, you, you kind of change the layer you are. <clears throat> so the team will perceive you a bit differently. So yeah, you will have to manage them. So you, you can't be their friend all the time. So that that's also something that can be tricky, uh, especially if you're moving to management position with the, within the team you were a developer before. So you that could be a bit tricky to actually remind some of your team members that now they have to listen to you and do what you're asking. Then I guess it depends also the different cultures. I guess here in Sweden, it's probably kind of fine because they are usually not really pushing the decision, but asking everyone to make a decision and that everyone agrees on the decision. In France, you kind of have to more push, like that's my final decision. So now you have to do it. It's your job to do what I say. So that, that could be a bit tricky and make you a bit more lonely in your team sometimes. Um, yeah, then you really have to measure everything. Uh, that's yeah, that's something you don't see much in Sweden because the model is more that you're renting people. And then I guess even if you're a consultant and you're a project manager, it's your customer that will handle the budgets and you will just have to deal with it. When you actually have to deliver a solution for a fixed price, then you really have to manage. So you have to be ready to measure everything, the performance of your team uh, and how much they can deliver in each sprint if you're working agile or 
all along the project, so you have to measure everything. So it's not just uh, yeah going and telling people what to do. You actually have to have metrics to know what people should do to improve or to KPIs or something yeah. like this, right? Yeah, you need a lot of KPIs um, and a lot of planification. So you yeah you have to like to make plannings. I'm curious here also, uh, since you mentioned that like if you have the possibility to become a manager within the same team that you have been developing before, how do you see the process? Because now I'm curious, like as a developer, maybe you want to ask for a salary increase or something like this. So how would you approach now since you have become a manager, uh, how would you approach the salary discussion? And here I'm curious, how have you approached the, uh, these type of situations uh, when you have been in France? I didn't, I, I was not promoted within the same team. So when I moved from developer to project manager, I actually changed completely project customer and everything. So I didn't face this thing. But since I was still young and still junior, because I had three years of experience when I moved from developer to project manager, the way it has been handled by my former companies that uh, they put me as a project manager with uh, kind of on probation. But I had a tutor to like mentor, to mentor me and show me the ropes mm -hmm. and give you some, so, some guidance. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that mentor was more the one accountable for the well-being of the project than me, but he was guiding me and I was doing the job, but he was uh, the person that the business unit manager was mm -hmm. checking with for like seeing if everything was fine or not. Uh, so we didn't really discuss like straight away because it was just on probation. And if it was not working, then I would be back to being a developer again and try my chance another time. Uh, but in the end, that went quite well. And I actually didn't have to ask that much and I just got like a lot raise. Uh, yeah, in, in this company, they were trying to promote junior. So we had a chance to get a raise every six months. And yeah, for many years, I got something every six months. So that was kind of fine. Um, so, mm -hmm. but definitely if, if they give you um, no, the opportunity to really move, uh, yeah, you should discuss salary, and of course, because you have more responsibilities. So, yeah, sometimes it can be tricky, I would say. Yeah, uh, I'm curious, also, like, since you're like this aspect, um, what non technical or like soft skills do you value more uh, on the develop on the on a developer? And here it comes, like, uh, since you had this this experience, like, as a project manager, what do you find like useful, like, uh, good uh, good skills to have? Uh, you mean in the team members, in your developers? Yes, yes, exactly. On the on the technical side, I mean. Um, I think they, they still need to be, yeah, probably one of the things that is the most important is that they are team players. Mm -hmm. They are not individuals working only on their own. Um, because every project, even though you can have... Uh, specific task, you know, you have to develop that, you know, what should be the input and what should be the output. You st I think you really need to understand why you are doing it and how it will be, uh, how it will fit in the global solution. 
So for that, you still need to understand what your colleagues are doing, what the whole solution is supposed to do in the end. So you know what your piece of software is actually going to help with. So being open-minded, trying to be curious about what you're doing, trying to understand uh, the purpose of it. And then, of course, being a team player and like helping your colleagues if they need. And uh, of course, ask for help if you're stuck. Uh, a lot of people like, of course, it's always uh, nice when you have like a technical issue that you manage to solve it by yourself. But when you're working, like, yeah, when you're doing on your own project at home, yeah, for sure. But when you're working and you have to deliver something, yeah, you can look and try to, of course, you have to look and search and try to understand and try to fix it. But if you can't maybe ask for an extra pair of eyes to look at your code or at your issue, and uh, yeah so yeah communication skill within team team being a team player and being curious about why you are doing what you're doing mm. so you have to say like pretty much you have to be uh approachable if i have to like, put in a word <coughs> and uh, try to see the greater uh, the greater scope as like delivering the project yeah, yeah you, you need to see the big picture mm. and yeah being approachable and yeah, I'm, I'm curious, have you ever had like uh, some sort of like conflicts between the team players uh, hmm. or what was that the case? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I had one project where in the end, uh, but I realized that a bit too late, but um, uh, we had a toxic team member that at, at the beginning seems really like nice and working, trying to understand, trying to help others, trying to provide solution. But like in the long run and after, yeah, I realized that uh, way after, um, yeah, that team member was actually could ask for more responsibilities, but when you give that person more responsibility, then, oh, but now I have too much to do. I can't do that. And like trying to just throw back the stuff on you mm. or on someone else and also yeah talking behind the back of people and like yeah and then that creates a toxic environment and then the team is uh, yeah the well-being of the team is like degrading all the time and that will have an impact on the deliveries and the quality and so on and then the customer will not be happy and then the team will go against the customer and the customer will go against the team. And then you're kind of stuck in between all that and trying to soothe to everything and mitigate yeah. the issues. And yeah, so from the project manager perspective, one of the best skill is to be able to read people and read people personality and, and mm. That's really not easy because some but people really do, hide. Do you think but... that, like, if you pay attention on the individual's level, you can solve the problems by, I don't know, like giving them, like, hey, I just noticed this. Are you aware of doing this or that? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just asking. Yeah, I guess, like, or, or sometimes maybe it's just the, the, it's not the fit over there. Um, no, I guess 
most of the time giving feedback to people and telling them, yeah, we, yeah, I've noticed that you're doing this that way and it's not good because of, and explaining why and trying to find a solution with them or if, if it's like not the first time you're telling them, then maybe try to be a bit more pushy. And if it doesn't work, uh, it can, it might sound a bit harsh, but get rid of the person from the team. Doesn't mean get rid, like fire the person, but at least that person can go and work on a different mm -hmm. project. Maybe that would be a better fit somewhere else. But um, good. I'm 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 curious about one thing. Like since you now you work as a DevOps, uh, do you find it applicable or the knowledge that you had uh, before as a project manager within the DevOps scope? Yeah, I think so because in the end, working in DevOps, you kind of make the link between development teams and operations. And before it was as project managers, like between your development teams and your customers. So you're always this link between different groups that speak different languages. So yeah, trying to, and trying to have an understanding of the way each part is thinking what is their main consideration and what they actually want to achieve because it's different especially in DevOps where the team wants to push uh, changes all the time and where operation wants to keep the, st the server tables and don't change anything because it, it's working so we don't want to break it. So if you understand what everybody needs, then you can try to translate it in a way for the other one to make them understand like, yeah, they have this consideration. That's why you can't do it like this, but we can try to find a way. And mm -hmm. And that's this dialogue that you can have with different uh, perspectives from the, that I find interesting. There is similarities between being a project manager and DevOps. So then pretty much you find it quite uh, useful and applicable to have this kind of a priori knowledge about, yeah. uh, about management. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, since pretty much you said that you're specialized right now in uh, Microsoft Azure as a cloud provider, uh, why did you pick uh, Microsoft and all the other ones? Or what, what benefits do you see as working with uh, with Microsoft as a cloud provider? Yeah, I started with Microsoft because I started working with uh, TFS, which is Microsoft, and then I went to see the cloud version and um, then, yeah. You start looking in Azure DevOps, then you say, oh, but how it works when you try to deploy application in Azure. Uh, so that's what I focused on. And then, yeah, it's just that the market is like really growing in Azure. So uh, I thought it was a good career path to take this one. Uh, I had a few courses in AWS, I guess from what I've seen, at least it's pretty much the same, but, um, no, I think, um, it's kind of weird from Microsoft because they are used to in the past being really, really centric on their own technology. And if you want to do Microsoft, you do Microsoft all the way. And since a few years, they really opened that. So 
Uh, I really like that aspect also with Azure that you can also connect to AWS if you have assets there or to Google or to whatever cloud provider working on-prem in the cloud and using Linux, Windows, building Java application or .NET application or mm. Python. Or... So I guess you can do pretty much the same with AWS and Google Cloud. So also then... Uh... The openness, let's say, since Satya Nadella came to the yeah, to the steer, I, I think uh, that's uh, that's when it changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, it's like the openness of the of the new way of Microsoft is seeing the the things pretty much. Yeah. It's also like important to you. Know. Hmm? Um, I'm curious, like, so pretty much from your perspective, what are the most uh, I would say required skills nowadays uh, when it comes to the DevOps practices, like? From your perspective, what what do you use or like what do you find useful to now as a DevOps? Yeah, <clears throat> you need to have um, yeah you, you need to have at least some uh, skills in understand like in development understanding how code works and especially now modern code that is distributed and that is um, based on a lot of components like a lot of packages and also yeah uh, operations because that's the other way of the other side of DevOps Um, so I was not really an expert in operation but also when I was on some project in France as project manager we had to do the Deployments, but we didn't have pipelines. We didn't have automation. It was just writing down uh, mm-hmm. install procedures, and uh, we also we had a lot of issues because of that. So I spent quite a lot of time with the operation guy trying to like troubleshoot why the application was not installing properly. And so I was, yeah, getting some knowledge about operation, not in big scale, but some information. And then, uh, yeah, my assignments uh, I had when I moved to Sweden. Yeah, I also had to talk a lot with the operation teams and the scale was higher. So, yeah, I had to like make some research and build some knowledge. On so, like, step up and do your yeah. homework pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but it's kind of fascinating to... That's why I like these DevOps uh, practices. It's kind of fascinating to see, okay, I have this code, this application that works. And uh, then understanding how you will actually deploy it and make it work and the way it's going to fit in. Because in, usually in, it's in just a piece of a bigger solution. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm, now if I'm thinking like, I think but maybe just my opinion. Here in Sweden now, like in the Nordics, I'm seeing like more demand compared to different countries when it comes to the cloud knowledge in general. I mean, uh, because all the companies, at least how the market is structured, they have a lack of DevOps knowledge. Yeah. So now, as from my point of view, I'm seeing that there's like a lot of uh, requests in the in this area of uh, having cloud uh, cloud expertise. Yeah, yeah, I yeah when when i look at uh, linkedin i receive like every day this uh, we have found like that many jobs for that fits your profile and there is really a really a big demand in cloud and devops mm. it's uh, at least in the nordic countries i don't know not sure in the rest of europe or in france 
but uh, they're really trying i think they really understood at least they pretend that they understood the benefits that, that they need to have automation um then yeah they kind of also put the word devops in a lot of maybe they, they are not using it completely the correct way because they are still uh, at least that was the case on my my assignment in sweden uh, still a bit scared to have a fully automated pipeline that deploys until production mm-hmm. so they always have kind of some manual steps in between just to lift uh, from one test environment to higher one until production not to actually do in manual installation but uh, yeah they, they still have some fears about that mm-hmm. i'm curious about one thing because like you took a couple of certifications when it comes to microsoft uh, azure like how did you manage to take them so fast and uh, how was your like how did you structure the way of learning and to to, to pretty much get them in a short amount of time i would say yeah <clears throat> well um my my goal because i don't have that much experience in devops and in cloud so to get some legitimacy i wanted to have certification so at least i can pretend that i know stuff in the cloud and in azure devops and my goal was to have the azure devops one uh so that one i didn't wasn't actually not the most difficult even, even if it's the expert level in the microsoft certification but since i've been spending one and a half year working with tfs which is pretty much azure devops i didn't feel like that i need to to learn a lot there is other aspects for the certification there is not only the pipelines but mm-hmm. uh, so my way of structuring that uh, i went step by step i started with the fundamentals which is not mandatory but that was kind of okay i can make it see if i can get this one so fundamentals um yeah just went through microsoft learn and uh, we have the chance in stockholm that uh, microsoft has an office here and they are actually uh, organizing free events uh, quite often and there was uh, one for just going through Azure fundamentals and explaining all the cloud principles. So like a preparation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's one day. So I asked my boss at the time if I could go. It's It was for free. So he said, like, of course, you can go. <laughs> no problem. So that was the first step. Then the second one was, for me, the most difficult. I had to spend more time preparing. It was the Azure administrator because then you need to have a deeper understanding how it works and how to administrate the cloud and how to work with it it's like you have to dive deep (laughs) yeah so this one yeah i kind of spent more time preparing it uh i wasn't really i was actually not sure at all when i went and i did it even when i went out i was like oh i don't know if i'm gonna pass or not but i passed and then the devops one uh yeah i still study Great. So now I have uh, a question for you as uh, we're going to uh, end this podcast. Um, I'm curious, like, would you consider pursuing a nomad developer life or do you want to pretty much settle down here in Sweden? 
what's your uh, thoughts about this? Um, I no, nomad not all the time I would say because uh, actually I'm surprised because right now we have this coronavirus crisis and uh, I'm working from home for a month now and it's going pretty well actually but I still miss going to the office uh, see your colleague and having the opportunity to discuss your problem directly like I, c- I can do it today like through slack uh, there is a way but it's easier when they are sitting next to you you can just turn around and say oh um, yeah you have these kind of issues uh, did someone already face that yeah it's a different some... kind of interaction I would so say. you will go to them like more often and more easily than online uh, but actually I realized that it works pretty well uh, even online uh, so I was actually asking myself if I could just work remote for like from anywhere in the world uh, I think that could work but I, I will miss this social interaction at some mm-hmm. point so then uh, and then, like you value like having this kind of connection with yeah. the colleagues and... but that could be now it could be more halfway like a few months ago I would say no like working from home from time to time okay but all the time no now I could go like yeah spending a few months remote and then come back that could work that's actually if you'll have to i was like to pick a different country than uh than sweden what it will be still in europe or i think uh, about uh changing the continent um yeah actually uh, europe that could be also because there is a lot of nice places in europe uh but I chose Europe in the first place, the first time I moved abroad, because that was the easy way. I didn't have to get a visa or like a work permit. Uh, so that was the easy way. If I had to move again, that could maybe yeah go further. Um, so even before I was thinking, uh, before moving to Sweden, I was thinking about Canada could be nice, but that's cold as Sweden. Uh, Australia could be nice. And uh, yeah, my girlfriend would be really happy if I was going to Australia uh, and she will come with me. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I think I will see the, the day I move, but I will probably move someday again because I grew so much as a person in one and a half year just moving abroad that I think I will have to revisit. Re- like, redo this kind of experience because it's if you haven't done that do it because it's it's really great yeah definitely i would say like the experience of like moving abroad it's it's changing the way you see the things most mm. of the times and uh, it helps you to to grow more yes yeah yeah it definitely. opens your mind on a lot of things and you i i would say it changed your perspective on the world and on a lot lot of things so it's it's a great experience and uh, i would strongly recommend everyone to do that if they can perfect benjamin thank you for uh, for being here and uh, sharing some uh, good thoughts and knowledge uh, with all of us yeah. and you. i really hope you to see you again maybe on the next yeah, podcast maybe. who knows hopefully <laughs>